And I think the point of that is for anybody listening, sometimes when you set a goal, you have to put a deadline to it. And if you've never heard the term SMART goal, Google it, SMART goal, it's an acronym, but it's so important to set a date to it. And we did, we sat down and we went, okay, are we going to have to readjust this thing or what? And I swear it was what, a week later, if even a week, we get a random phone call about a business for sale in our area. And from that day that we had the very first conversation, I think we had closed on that business in less than two weeks. Uh-huh. It was 10 days, I believe. Yeah, I think it was. It was 10 days. So just um, heard of for a business transaction. Yes. Running a home service business is hard. So how is it that some people make it look so easy? Well, we'll tell you. This is the Freedom Blueprint Podcast. It's always good to hear the wins that successful contractors have. But have you ever thought that the best advice would be to hear about the speed bumps they encountered? The mistakes they've made along the way. We're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. We want you to be successful and avoid the mistakes others have made. Let's get this party started. Welcome to the Freedom Blueprint Podcast. Now your host, Justin Dees. Welcome to Freedom Blueprint Podcast. Yeah, welcome community. Welcome random people who just found this and we're searching either home service or plumbing or HVAC. We're glad to have you. So today we've got a pretty exciting guest, very good friend of mine, business partner. We'll talk about all that kind of stuff, but really the objective of today is we're going to talk about how to crush it in the home service business. So yeah, welcome to the show, Chris Gist, which by the way, nobody calls you by your first name. It's always Gist, but thank you so much for taking the time to connect with us and tell your story to the community. Yep. Thanks for having me. You're right. Nobody calls me by Chris and anybody that doesn't know me pronounces the last name incorrectly. So. <laughs> so funny story. My phone has the hardest time picking up your name. So I have to really enunciate because it's like, there is no Chris guest. <laughs> or gist. If you get the gist of it, if you get the gist, then you know the gist. So yeah, man, thanks for coming on. I know, as I mentioned earlier, we're business partners. We'll get into that a little bit later, but I kind of like to always start the shows with where the journey begins, because for all of us in the home service space, it's always interesting to hear how we ended up getting to this place. So here's the question. Guess when you grew up, did you dream of being a plumber? <laughs> I definitely did not. I was in pre-med out of high school. I actually been to college a few times, but realized very quickly that I didn't like education unless it was something that I was interested in. So pretty successful in restaurant management and retail management and golf course management. And then eventually went into somewhat of a trades position as a commercial roofing salesman, which is what I did before I moved to Florida about six years ago. And I did that for a couple of years and covered eight different states was my territory chasing hailstorms. That's a lot of traveling. It was a lot of traveling. And not to mention, traveling's one thing. And for anybody who has ever done this, they'll get it. And if you haven't, it, it's one of those things where if you're chasing hell or you're chasing hurricanes, you're going into not ideal areas. Yeah. Yeah. It's, some of them look like a war zone. Yeah. Especially with hurricanes. So how did you end up in the plumbing world? 
when I moved to Florida, I was tired of traveling. So I had three different job offers when I first got here. One of them was with you and your company was nine minutes from my house. And I was so tired of traveling that I took that job instead of the ones that were 45 minutes from my house. And it's probably you took it because it was the one that paid the absolute most, right? <laughs> Absolutely, it did. <laughs> no, it was a significant pay cut moving here from Kansas City. But again, I had a, a young son, I guess at that time he was seven, I think, when we moved here. And my focus was just not being away from home anymore. Yeah. As someone who's done a lot of traveling with small kids, I'm right there with you. It's no fun to miss functions and events because you're working away from home. So the interesting thing is when Gis came to work for the plumbing company that I used to own, we did a pretty good job of doing, we would do open houses. So we would invite a bunch of people. There'd be 20, 30 people in the room. And basically we talked about core values, who we are, what we do, why we do it. And, and I can still remember where you were sitting in the room that day. So you were on the right-hand side. I can't remember if you were the first row or the second row, but there's probably 30, 35 people in the room. Yeah. And it was something totally different for me. I'd never been to a, a possible job avenue starting off with, with that kind of a setup. So it was different. But yeah. I was front row, two seats away from the wall. I remember it too. Very cool. Very cool. And of course we knew at the time that we would eventually become business partners. We knew that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so yeah. So when he came into the trades to work with the business, he actually was the, you were the service manager, right? So you yeah, were the, yeah, I was hired as office manager and quickly went to service manager. I, I think that was largely just because of my sales experience and I was able to help drive the plumbers to raise their tickets. Yeah. And you still do that today and you do a fantastic job of it. So let's talk about now. So what does the GIST personal life look like? It's much more peaceful than it was traveling eight states. There's a lot of freedom that I guess that comes along with business ownership. There's a lot of stress that comes along with it too, but the freedom definitely outweighs the stress. And it's, I don't know, it's fulfilling, I guess. The stress that I have of looking over 35, 40 families is nice. It's a positive stress, I guess you put it that way. It's nice to have that connection with everybody and to be able to feel like I do something positive for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I feel like a lot of business owners, we talk about this and everybody with the journey of owning a business, they always see the upside of it. Rarely do people know, get, or understand the three thirty in the morning waking up and you're like, there's just stuff I have to do and I have to get it done. So it's funny because it's, it, yes, you have freedom when you own a business, but I swear you have more bosses as a business owner than you do when you work for a company because you know typically you got one boss when you work for a company where like you just said you've got 40 families that are relying on paradise to to be there for them so now you have them and all their people and all the customers and there's just so many bosses when you're the main boss yeah, serious but yeah home life is good aside from that like we're successful right we're pretty successful so we get to have a lot of fun and my wife and kid get to have a lot of fun and we hang out and do the beach things, do all the Florida things and life is good. Life is good in Florida. And I think that uh, so far on the podcast, I think most of the guests have been from Florida. Yeah. 
It's like there's a tie-in or something. Either Florida or Texas. <laughs> so, okay. So let's talk about, we launched Paradise Home Services in, it was like mid-August 2020, right in the middle of COVID. Denmark. Bum, bum, bum. And what's interesting is when we decided to launch Paradise Home Services, we had a really big, hairy, audacious goal for anybody who's read that book. We did. We had a really aggressive growth plan. We're in a small market, right? We're not in a, we're not multi-million population. There might be a million people between the four or five county area. And plus our area is a little different because there's nothing south, water. And even northeast and west, you still have to drive around bodies of water to get places. That's true. That's true. So walk me through that. We launched this thing. Now we had a plan, a super heavy plan of growth. And now we're three years, not quite, not even three years into it. But what was that getting started like? At first, for about two weeks, it was really exciting because we was rebranding. So we was trying to come up with this awesome beach-themed company that was laid back and fit the area that we live in. And we wanted our culture to, to match that. So it was exciting at first for two weeks, but then we got hit with a hurricane. And at the time, we also had a restoration company. So that kind of halted us for five months or so. But we were still focused on the growth of what we had. We also had the plan at that time that we knew we wanted to add HVAC by the end of 2021. And we thought for a second that the hurricane was going to not allow us to hit our goal. And this is Hurricane Sally for everybody that's listening. But we ended up pushing through, getting through the storm. And then the HVAC company just fell in our lap and we was able to make that happen by 2021. So we stuck with our growth program, I think. And, and by the end of this three-year run in August, we will have doubled in size every year of the three years. Every year. Pretty massive. We started off with four vans and now we have 24 along with four trailers. In less than three years, we had seven employees. Now we're pushing 40 employees in less than three years. It's been go. Yeah. So with all of that growth, so yes, the hurricane was obviously unexpected. We weren't planning on that. And so you and I, like when we were going to launch Paradise Home Service, we were clear the reason we named it Home Services is we knew we were going to put HAC to it. And we knew in the future, electrical was going to go with that as well. But we in stone... We had a date for the HVAC, and when the hurricane hit, it, it took us a little bit of time for us to sit down. We're in an owner's meeting, and here's something about Gist and I. If we set a goal, we're pretty competitive, and we get pissed if we're not going to hit that goal. Like, we're pretty aggressive like that, and we did. We sat down, and we thought, okay, do we have to readjust our goal in order to keep this thing going? Do we have to adjust it, or what do we do? And... We randomly got a phone call on a Saturday about a business for sale. And when we knew we were going to be in the HAC, when we set that goal and we set that date, we had no idea how we were going to do it. No, we did not. No, none. We had no experience in HAC. We had no background in it. I've done coaching and training with HAC companies, but as far as the technical side of it, no. And we didn't know whether we were going to start it from scratch, whether we were going to acquire. We had no idea. And I think the point of that is for anybody listening, sometimes when you set a goal, you have to put a deadline to it. And if you've never heard the term smart goal, 
Google it, smart goal. It's an acronym, but it's so important to set a date to it. And we did, we sat down and we went, okay, are we going to have to readjust this thing or what? And I swear it was what a week later, if even a week, we get a random phone call about a business for sale in our area. And from that day that we had the very first conversation, I think we had closed on that business in less than two weeks. It was 10 days, I believe. Yeah, I think it was 10 days. So just um, heard of for a business transaction. Yes. But wow, had we not had that goal. And it's funny because we were talking to somebody and they asked about electrical and we're like, no, no we're going to do it someday. And they said, what's your date? And we said, I have one yet. And they said, well, that's why you haven't done it yet. And they're right. But I also think that for us, the HVAC was the most important part of it. And then yeah. as we started to grow, we started to go, wait a minute, we're going to have to pump the brakes on any kind of line extension because we still have some some catching up to do and all that kind of good stuff. So with growing and scaling Paradise Home Services, what would you say has been either the biggest challenge or the biggest speed bump that you weren't expecting? So like at your plumbing company that I went to work for, our struggle was finding talent, talented technicians that hadn't worn out their welcome in our not so populated area. In our, yeah, in our small um, town. So we thought that was going to be an issue with this and it ended up not being. The issue was from COVID that we were struggling with getting tablets for the technicians and vehicles. And the vehicles that we could find were priced at 150% of what they should have been. And mm -hmm. new car prices for vehicles that have 50,000 miles on them. And, uh, it was hard to get loans on that kind of stuff. So that was really our struggle and the talent side, we just learned to recruit from out of state, which worked out really well, but yeah, it was vehicles and tablets, ironically. Isn't that insane? Can you imagine five years ago, us having this conversation of, Hey, we're going to, we're going to grow and scale at, a, at an amazing rate. What's going to be our biggest hangup? Tablets yep. and vehicles probably aren't. Yeah. The, at your filming company, it was phone call vehicles dropped off in two weeks, wrapped and Re ready, ready to go. To go. Boom, yeah. go. If you're like me, reading the financials falls at the bottom of the priority list. Unless there is no money in the bank. Then I dig in and get even more frustrated because let's be honest, I don't even really know what I'm looking for. If this sounds like you, then I'd say it's time for you to get a virtual CFO. And I have just the recommendation for you. Kristen Deese is the virtual CFO of the home service industry. She is an expert in all the numbers and will remove the overwhelm so you can use your numbers as a tool for growth. She'll even train your in-house accounting team because after all, how could you possibly train someone to do something that you don't really know how to do yourself? You can find out all about how she can help you take the F word out of your financials by going to thefwordofbusiness.com. I'll say this, and yes to everything you said about the challenges, but I want to add this. I underestimated the amount of cash that it would take to grow and scale as fast as we wanted to. And obviously, I look at it now, we look at it now, and we go, of course, duh. When you bring that many people on, you're training that many people, you're adding this many trucks, you're onboarding this many people. We have a very specific onboarding process that that is not cheap, and it takes a while. So I think for me, it was the cash side of it, which again, now that I say it out loud, I'm like, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the rebranding, that's going to cost a lot of money. 
when you're hiring six people a month, your labor rates are going to run high for a couple of months because they're not out doing primary revenue generators. So yeah, it was a lot of cash flow for sure. But obviously growing and scaling, it, it does take all those things. But what's been a surprise that you've had that you've gone, okay, I wasn't expecting that. I knew that we wanted other locations, but I didn't think it would happen as quick as it did, especially after adding HVC, just because I guess you just have to learn how to juggle if you want multiple things. But opening up Panama as quick as we did was a pretty cool surprise. And honestly, just the size of the team that we have and still being able to, for the most part, keep our culture the way that we wanted it to work. Still got that tight-knit family feeling to it. And that was, that was always a big goal, especially with you, as we were talking about the growing and scaling, that was always something with, that you wanted. I want to make sure that we don't get that big company feel like it's, we still have to have a good company culture. We still have to make sure that we maintain team members that, that enjoy being here. And it's not the whole paycheck pay to play kind of thing. Obviously they got to get paid, but the pay to play thing. And I think that, uh, I think for the most part, I think it's good. And realistically, part of my concern with growing and scaling is to keep that culture. Like, how do you do it? Because for us, that's a lot of driving. We've been pedaled to the metal for two years now. And for us, at some point, your team goes, why? So I think there's been a good job of keeping the why in front of them and keeping them. Everybody's not built for that kind of. No, they're not. And we have 13 core values. Obviously, they're all important to us. But one of the ones that we push more often than not is flexibility because of our growth plan. You just have to be able to adapt. And our culture has allowed our team members to be flexible and it has allowed them to appreciate where they work because of the culture. So they're more flexible for us because of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, no. And I think we do a good job of showing them that part of this growth plan, they're included. Right. So we've had all kinds of leadership opportunity so, open up that wasn't available at the beginning. But in order to have those opportunities, you can't be a two truck operation and have service managers and lead techs and apprentices right. and that kind of stuff. Right. A lot of those team members have stepped up and done a phenomenal job too. So it's just been cool to watch all of it grow. Some of it when you're in the middle of it and some of it when you're in the back of the room just listening. It does feel good to hear team members just praise the company and what it is. And I, th I think a lot of times employees forget, like they're a huge part of that. Yeah. Sure, leadership drives it. But man, if you're, if, from a team member standpoint, if you're positive and you're keeping that positive mental health going, you're talking about good things and you're praising your team members, that's, that is the culture. Yeah, we've got to the point where we've changed part of our interview process to where if the interviewee can make it to one of our morning huddles, we want the rest of the team to shoot the crap with them and see if they're a good fit for us and vice versa. And, and then they give us their feedback afterwards and we value their feedback, try to take that into consideration before making somebody an offer. And plus it gives them ownership. It gives them ownership over it. If they're like, man, that guy's solid. Let's bring him on. And then they're not solid. You told me to. That's right. You told me to. So no. All right. So we're kind of winding down here a little bit, but I wanted to ask this. What is some advice that you would give yourself two to five years ago 
when it comes to running a home service business? In two to five years ago, uh, I guess you really don't have fears. Like just, if you know what you want, you got to go get it. I think maybe that's how I lived my life before I got here. I was just content with the salary position as a manager for somebody else, making them a lot of money and me not making very much. So even two to five years ago or 20 years ago, I would have said, get into it sooner and get after it. Like it's the trades are an awesome line of work to be in. It can be very lucrative if you know what you're doing, whether it be from the ownership side or the technician side, technicians out there can make a lot more money than kids with half million dollar college bills that they're paying for coming out, making 35 grand a year. So uh, really just to be fearless and go get it. How many guys and girls on the team do we have that are under the age of, let's say 21, 22? At least a half dozen. One of them's already started working on getting his license in, in Alabama, and he has future goals to get it in Florida. And that'll be great for him. He's a good kid. He's been starting to run his own water heater calls lately, and he's just as fast, if not faster, than the techs that have been doing it for five or six years. He follows direction very well. His pictures are better than anybody else. If he sticks with it, that kid's going to be making six figures by the time he's 25, mm-hmm. just turned 21. And we've got a couple of other ones that are here to learn it, but they're going to school to get their GC because they want to start their own business. And we, we've helped a couple people get their own license and start their own company. So that feels good too. There's something to be said, like <laughs> when people go, if you train these people and then they go start their own business. Cool. I would rather compete in a market with people that have core values, know their numbers, do the things the right way versus not the right way. There's probably eight or 10 companies around town that at some point have been on one of the two teams. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, there's plenty of work to go around. I wish everybody the best. There's plenty of work for all of us. So it's cool to watch people succeed. And we've got some young apprentices that are fired up, ready to do it. We even have a young female apprentice and she's going to be amazing. She's cool. So I wish we could figure out, and I know there's people out there that have done a better job. We've had several female technicians. We do have one on the team now that is an absolute superstar. And I was asking her the other day about how do we find more females that want to be in this industry? And she's like, it's just going to be hard because it's digging in the dirt. And I'm like, I bet there's more females out there than what we all think. So who knows? Who knows? Yeah. She came from retail and she was bored. She likes to move and sweat. So, yep. Cool. Gis, thank you uh, for sharing and being open. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, Again, this is a newer podcast. So for sure, you will hear a lot more from Gist and probably from Gist and Mandy as well, his wife. She's part of the business. My wife's part of the business. So they're obviously much smarter than we are. So <laughs> we'll probably have them on to get their nuggets as for <laughs> from us as well. And listen, I know if you're listening to this, th- there's got to be some things that you heard, some nuggets that you went, oh gosh, man, I need to do something with it. Here's the deal. We encourage you to go take action, right? So if you have the information and you don't do anything with it, it's worthless. But knowledge applied is wisdom. So go out there and apply the things that you're learning and make your business better. So until we talk next time, again, guests, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us and telling your story to the Freedom Blueprint community. We'll see you, brother. You've been listening to the Freedom Blueprint Podcast. 
Information is useless if not applied. So take what you've learned and go and implement it. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on social media at Freedom Blueprint for Home Services and hit the website at www.freedomblueprintpodcast.com. See you next time.